I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an ABC podcast. <laughs> Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Hello and welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. My name is Emma Race and I am thrilled to be here and demasking with these football loving lady friends. I'm going to let them wash their hands and introduce themselves. Good morning. It is Lucy Race here. Happy to be here, Nicole Hayes. Oh, and hello, Nicole Hayes. It's Kate Sear. Hello, my darlings. How hey, are hey. you all? Are you all okay? I'm just going to welfare check you at the get go. Nicole yep. Hayes. Killing it. <laughs> <laughs> what pandemic? Mm. Yeah, How no. about you, Katie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm alive. I'm still standing, as Elton John reminds us. Um, no, I'm all or right. Or Bernie. Does Bernie actually remind <laughs> actually, us of that? Actually, it's probably Bernie. It's Bernie and Elton together. That was actually but, Bernie's um, love letter to Elton, really, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm it not was. sure. Have you seen Rocket Man? I don't I, want to I give have. away the ending. <laughs> Elton didn't write the songs. Lucy, how are you? Couldn't be better, although I'm worried I'm going to be hit with a fine because we have someone in our house. (laughs) Oh, yes. What do you have in your house? Yes. A little possum that lives in the wall has broken through the plaster overnight and I can just see his little bum. He's sleeping peacefully in the wall. (laughs) Little hairy possum bum hanging out of your plaster wall. It's just a new art installation. Mm. It's adorable. It's It's like a living zoo. Yoko Ono would have loved that (laughs) as a piece of living art. You know what? Leave it there and just put a square around it. So most of you know that this podcast is brought to you by the letter V, the big V. We are in Victoria and we are all Victorians and we are all in the locky lockdown. Just for all of our friends over the border who we won't see for a really long time, things feel strange. They feel really different. And a big shout out to our fellow Victorians who are wearing masks in unprecedented numbers and we're all staying indoors and we're all taking it all pretty seriously now. But it's affected the football because... Nicole, what happened on the weekend? This word unprecedented keeps coming up and I don't know when we're going to be at it, when it loses all meaning, but for the first time ever, not one team played in their own state on the weekend. And so this whole notion of the home game, like it's just gone out the window this time around. So what it? you're saying is that the 400 Victorian teams that are in the <laughs> AFL <laughs> actually played didn't in the play other in Victoria. In fact, I would say that there was no football in Victoria on the weekend. Would that be correct, correct. to say? I think it is. I know that... Uh, junior footy was meant to start on the weekend, but that didn't happen. So there was uh, no organised football. The ovals were empty. I also saw a stat that all of the home teams, the home teams <laughs> in inverted commas, won the game. Right. Which I think is also hasn't oh, happened for a very long period. So it of time. all comes down to the colour of the shorts. <laughs> It has it nothing does. to do with the ground or the crowd. Yeah. Or you, the talent of the players or the coach. <laughs> did you guys look at Gold Coast Stadium and think, this is, it's starting to look like the showgrounds at the end of the cattle 
was it show Gold Coast or, or was it Giants? Oh, sorry, Giants Giant Stadium. Stadium. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. It actually looked like the end of the Denny Ute muster. It I, did. <laughs> and I was thinking with Gil's penchant for polo, penchant. why haven't we seen that divot, you know, in that moment in Pretty Woman when they yeah. put the divots back in? And it's because there's no crowd. There's no, no crowd there is a bit of crowd. A I was a bit crowd. jealous of the crowd, to be honest. Did you feel jealous of the crowds? Absolutely. But what yeah. about, I? the thing that stood out to me was, have we always had like a protruding cricket pitch on the Gabba? Like, is that a thing? <laughs> Poor Liam Ryan from the West Coast cracked his head on it. Mm. It's clearly like a, a playing. I mean, I wonder, we're having some injury issues. We will come back to that. But I'm just wondering how much of the, the dodgy pitch, the dodgy field and the, the overuse of the field. They're having games back to back, hour after hour. But also, you know, protruding pitches, cricket pitches cannot be a good mm. thing in a football match. No, it really reeks of Norwood Primary School, 1975 <laughs> through to 1983, which was other, my only experience of football. Every other community ground, like every other junior football match looks like that. That Can also I? wasn't an oval. Yeah, <laughs> it was no. like an oblong. It was an oblong. Probably less of an, an injury issue, though. Nothing like kicking a banana from the corner. <laughs> Do you know what got me this week? Is I A couple of weeks ago, I said something on our group chat, which was it annoys me that when they put the cardboard cutouts of the fans that they only put them behind the mm. goals because I don't feel represented there because I never sit behind the goals. And Nicole, of course, you she's know. squad girl. So Yeah, yeah she's, a cheer, she's cheer squad alumni. <laughs> so she was like. <laughs> um, we used to fight for the first five rows. <laughs> it was like a hierarchy. If you, were, you know, the more important you were, the, the closer to the front you got. Oh, you are very important. One A. Is that Amazing. true? Is that how it works? True, absolutely true. That is extraordinary. Anyway, the things you can find out on the outer <laughs> sanctum. So I was disappointed that the cardboard cutouts weren't like row four, level three. You know, uh, just kind yeah, of same. put around Tears the them. around the whole boundary. And then I noticed, and I noticed this when Melbourne was playing, that there's that big flag thing that they put over the chairs, which reminds me of how our mum Lucy used to make a calico cover for the TV and turn it into a coffee table when people came around because she totally it was, it was unsightly. so unsightly. <laughs> she wanted to hide the TV. <laughs> and so they've put that big Melbourne flag mm. over the did chairs. Your mom, did your mum sew it? Probably. Got out the Janoni. <laughs> and the bedazzler. It covers the chairs. And I thought that was just in lieu of the cardboard cutouts. But I realised when no one's sitting there and you're kicking for goal, it actually stops the ball from going down in between the seats and some schmuck having to go and find it amongst all of the pigeons. So it's functional. It's very functional. It's Although fun- in these unprecedented times of high <laughs> unemployment, surely we could have a schmuck. But a schmuck can't go in there because there's too many schmucks. Can I say, but can, <laughs> can I say, by the way, when you say uh, having to retrieve the ball from in amongst the pigeons, did you see the story during the week where there's been talk of the possibility of the grand final being held up at Homebush in Sydney? And I read that the stadium is in sort of a bit of disarray, disrepute, sort of fallen into disrepute. <laughs> It has a terrible reputation. It came, it came before the tribunal. It's the Chacha de Gregorio <laughs> of grounds. Mark Williams going to give it a character reference? <laughs> Presumably, yes. <laughs> Apparently there's a there's a herd of stray cats living in the, oh, in the stadium, which I, I kind of like the grand final being played in front of those. It seems Good if Geelong makes it. <laughs> if Geelong or the Tigers make it, oh, fine. I think that's an unfair advantage, though. There's a full home advantage <laughs> yeah. if I've got How many a, cats are on the field? Exactly. But, you know, I wonder, does anyone know this whether those well. does anyone know whether those cardboard cutouts that are sitting behind the goals do people pay to have their face Thinks, on those? And- I think for some, I do think for some membership opportunities, you can right. pay extra and you get to you be get behind your, the goals. You get your pill on one of those. Are they still doing it? Well, I, I don't know because if so, I wonder. Like this is your question, Emma, about why why isn't there a tiered system? So if you have one of the really like 
cheaper memberships or if you can't afford a membership at all, you can buy a cardboard cutter <laughs> all the up way in like top. row XX. What about if you have a pet membership? G. You just have a little <laughs> goldfish sitting in row four. <laughs> yeah, like, why not? I, I mean, it's a good revenue, revenue raiser putting, for the AFL. You could also put somebody else's face there. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. You know, someone who might have annoyed you recently. Behind oh, the hilarious. Mm. Yeah, with yeah because I yeah. did see, you'd, I think I recorded it and, and sent it to you guys when uh, I saw a goal get kicked the other day and one of the cardboard cutouts just went flying. Flying <laughs> Ouch. Because I'm a child, I found it really entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> so highlights from the round, was that yours? <laughs> there was some, actually, there's some pretty mm. impressive feats of strength on the weekend. There was some pretty amazing, there were some pretty terrible games, but there were some pretty <laughs> amazing performances, Lucy. There were, and look, it all depends on your perspective, doesn't it? I watched that St Kilda Fremantle game and I have to say I loved it. I found it was high scoring. It was so entertaining. As an optimist, I really appreciated the big comeback from Fremantle because I didn't really have any skin in the game apart from our Outer Sanctum membership of the Fremantle Dockers. So I guess I probably did. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but it was it was great. It was St Kilda just looked unstoppable. They kicked six goals in the first quarter. And then Frio came home with a wet sail. It was unbelievable. With a big anchor. No anchor. <laughs> I feel like a wet sail would be worse. Oh, I know. I don't understand and how that The thing that was interesting is that Sean Darcy and Hayden Young were both injured. So they were out and there was a lot of talk about how, you know, they couldn't possibly do it. But they did. The other thing that I loved was... The Nick Nat Nui Riley <laughs> O'Brien, which I want to always say O'Reilly O'Brien. <laughs> I find it Riley very confusing as a first name, the way it's spelled. The fact that Nick. Why don't you Nat- just call him Brian O'Reilly? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call him O'Reilly O'Brien. Okay. Get his name and right it was a great matchup. It, everyone was watching quite keenly, given what had happened the week before with the tweets. But to see Nick Nat hand that phone over at the end was superb. And the only thing that made it better was Danny McGinley's tweet where he suggested, why didn't we see the headline? Nick Nat paddywhacked, gave the crow a phone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, kudos to McGinley. Oh, my goodness. You can check him out and all of his magical stylings on They Came to Play podcast, which also features the Sanctum's own Tess Armstrong. Nicole, what was your uh, highlight from the weekend? I could not go past Isaac Rankin. You know, we got really excited about Matt Rowe. How are these Gold Coast Suns with their finally seeing these young players really step up? And, of course, there's a lot of pressure. He was number three in 2018. That's that's a, a load to carry. And he's had injury issues, I think it's 600 days or something, since he was actually drafted and then got to play. You know, if you're going to debut... Why not go hard? And three goals. The first goal is possibly one of the best debut goals I've ever seen. The second one wasn't too shoddy either. He even had another chance later where he's he was on the boundary. Ed Langdon was on the mark. And it was, you know, it would have been a tough kick from the boundary. But he took him on and went to run around him. He got caught, but, you know, was lucky to get a, a high tackle and so got another chance. Quickly handballed over the top. And then Alice goals. And just the audacity of the way he played, the confidence and just owning his his pitch. I felt, look, he's nothing like this off the ground. No, personality-wise, there's no comparison, but there's a little bit of Ackermanis about him on the ground. And I have to say the hair's probably what put, put him <laughs> in mind, but fearlessness and just that confidence that he's just he's here and he's going to play and it's a delight I mean it, he's going to have, have a hard time backing that up Good and he's going to be tagged from he's he's until Christmas yeah. but ball magnet all ball I could magnet. think was ball magnet yeah. and he was extraordinary on the field and then in the last 24 hours I have seen him guitar in hand <laughs> this mm. guy could win the voice 
seriously, he's so like talented. the current one that he's not even in. I was turning chairs all over the city yesterday for him. <laughs> I thought he was ex- uh, he's extraordinary. If you haven't seen it yet, there was two songs released on socials yesterday of him playing guitar and singing, and he's got some serious skills, Katie. He's amazing. And what impressed me most about that, Nick, is that when that game was in the balance, as you say, like he was audacious and confident and sort of looked like he might go on to win it off his own boot, yeah. like on his mm. first game. And I, I often assume, obviously quite wrongly, that people who are playing in their first game must be overcome with nerves or overwhelmed. Maybe you know, maybe the fact that there's not a crowd is a factor too maybe. now, like it might have an influence. But what's interesting is that uh, he notched up a Rising Star nomination for the round and the Gold Coast have now become the first side to have three Rising Star nominations in the first six rounds of a season, which tells you something about wow. that young talent that's coming through and why they're they're so promising. And great news also about Stewie Jew, who has re-signed as the Gold Coast coach. I, I'm so excited by the Gold Coast Suns, I must say. As a you know, Gold, Gold, Coast, Gold, girl. Gold Coast girl, I'm Ick really thrilled. Queenslander. Gold Coaster. <laughs> Well, I would like to also suggest that another highlight, which was unexpected because Lucy likes to call the Sunday night game leftovers, was anything but leftovers. Those blues really brought it. And again, Eddie Betts, he is like a, he's like a, just a slightly matured Isaac Rankin goal magnet. Mm. His work rate and his effort was extraordinary and the thing that always shocks me about Eddie is, I mean we talk about how big his shorts are, but when he's holding the ball, the ball actually looks really big in his hands. Don't you think? He looks like he's holding this massive golden snitch and he's (laughs) running with it. He's just his ability to not age basically and his ability to put himself in the contest three times in the space of a really small passage of play. I I just think he's playing the most unbelievable season and those blues were so impressive. I loved that Sunday night game. It put a real spring in my step. I hate to say it. I know it's because I live with a cult supporter probably (laughs) and he went to bed happy. Me, not so much because of Hawthorne. He's just joyful to watch. Yeah, Eddie, Isn't he? absolutely yeah. amazing. He's so happy. Extraordinary. Yeah. Kate, happy. what was your highlight? My highlight was when uh, both the Hawthorne-Collingwood and Richmond-Sydney games finished <laughs> <laughs> because they were rotten, absolutely <laughs> appalling and low scoring and um, I was really interested to see the AFL's memo come out this week um, <laughs> with instructions on how to improve the game. The interesting thing was that the Richmond-Sydney game is the second lowest winning score in the AFL era Wow! because Richmond won with just 34 points, four goals, 10. Port uh, won a game with just 32 points in 1999 and both really unenjoyable contests. I have to say that I think the lack of a crowd has an impact. I think that it must feel really flat for the players and I would like to hear more about players, the experiences from the perspective of players because the scores are much lower this year and I think it's got to have an impact on their ability to kind of get excited and to be up and about, as they say. One thing to compete for the low light was how many injuries there were this Mm. round, Lucy. That is true. There were some really awful ones. And in that game, that um, Sydney game, it was awful to see Josh Kennedy. He's ruptured a medial ligament in his knee, so he'll miss a few weeks. As opposed to a medial ligament in his Well, arm. no, because Isaac Heaney actually has a severe ankle injury. He dislocated his ankle and he ruptured the medial ligament in his ankle. So Can't medial just one. means... Who's no. a doctor of medial now, just means Dr. K? On the outside. You're not a real doctor, are you, I'm not Kate? at all. No, I've got no idea. 
<laughs> Clearly. I Otherwise. think that's that's a terrible out. For Isaac, he will need surgery and he'll be out for the season and that just breaks my heart because he's awesome to watch. Rory Sloan also fractured his hand and must have done a much worse job than Tom Lynch because they're saying he'll be out for quite some time. We saw Jonathan Patton in the Hawthorne game hurt himself. He strained a hamstring and he was visibly upset, you know, really disappointed and we saw some kind of lovely vision of one of the Hawthorne staffers on the bench just going over and draping a tracky top around his shoulders in quite a loving way. You th- mm. See, you say that that's a loving way, but, you know, boundary riders, they're not doctors, but you could be mistaken in thinking that they are because I noticed something on the weekend that has been playing on my mind for probably a couple of years now, a couple of seasons at least, that the medical talk that comes out of boundary riders mm. and specifically like AFL medical talk has its own kind of criteria for alert, alarmed, extreme, <laughs> code red. Its own system. It has its own system. So like alert, not alarmed is tracksuit top on. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> he's got the tracky top on. Extreme is he's gone down the race. Yes. Oh, yeah. Code red is green whistle is. <laughs> In <laughs> fact, I was thinking, Tess, have we got any medical kind of music? Because I just, this is how it would play out in the real world. How bad is it, Doc? I'm sorry, ma'am. He's gone down the race. <laughs> I'm going to need a green whistle. Stat! <laughs> But, Doc, will I ever play again? Sure you will, kid. It's just the tracksuit tops on. (laughs) So now we're all doctors, I suppose, is what I'm saying. (laughs) I mean, it falls into the category of commentary, which I kind of... I've really dipped my toe into your into your baby there, Kate. Oh. Was there any commentary watch this week? Oh, yes, I think so. But I'd like to hand over to Lucy Race, who I know has got something to say. Oh, is it because she's an actual doctor? <laughs> she, Google. she is. Totally. Lucy. Just a quick apology to Chloe Malloy for giving her a syndesmosis injury last week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not actually her. It was Ash Riddell I was thinking of. Commentary watch has reared its head again. And it's not often that we get one, let alone two new additions. So I don't know if you guys noticed these. Strap yourselves in. (laughs) (laughs) Firstly, this week we heard that a player had a good dance step. Have you heard that? I thought it would be really valuable if they make it to the big dance. (laughs) True. Which is... Who was it? Couldn't tell you. Okay. They all sound the same to me. That sort of details by the by. Yeah. Mm. That's for other podcasts. (laughs) We don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That sort of attention to... What's actually happening? Actual detail, actual football. It doesn't add anything to the story. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. What's the other one? So the other one is, I don't know whether you noticed, but a football was kicked straight up the chimney. (laughs) Which was... Would make sense in Docklands, wouldn't it? Well, I guess it would. Because they but actually have a roof, at least. That's something. It was super they don't surprising. Have a chimney, though. <laughs> no, but <laughs> it wasn't, who knows? Maybe I, they do. I feel sorry for Father Christmas. Well, so do I. And look, and I haven't even seen a puff of smoke. That can't be a good kick if it goes straight up the chimney. Look, it wasn't. It sounds... And again, I can't tell you who it was. <laughs> it always sounds good to painful. see consistent. Yeah. Mm. Did you have any, Katie? Well, this this is interesting, Lucy, because it, it brings me to... I'd like to, if I can, introduce a new segment. It might just get one run because it's not, <laughs> there's not a lot of content here. But this is a new segment that I'm calling Rhyme Watch. I, I've come to this because I've noticed in recent weeks that there is this tendency of some commentators to introduce a bit of either rhyming slang or just rhyme into their commentary. So have you heard references throughout the season to someone have, doing a little bit of shake and bake? <laughs> 
I have. I just, it, I don't know what it means. It I just don't makes know me hungry. It, it makes me like a Betty Crocker. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. It's, it's bizarre. But look, the other one is Jonathan Brown has a penchant, to use your earlier word, M, for saying that somebody's kicked it through the hey diddle diddle. <laughs> When I don't know if that's any better than a chimney. Is it? Is hey, it? diddle diddle's a goal, right? Yeah, straight hey. through the middle. Yeah. I feel like I need pictures the hey for diddle that diddle. one. So there's a bit of it's a bit of co- it's a little bit of Cockney rhyming. I'm worried about slang. those cats at <laughs> Homebush. <laughs> Um, I figured if we're going to introduce some Cockney rhyming slang into our commentary, why not just go the whole hog? Because 2020 is an unprecedented season. (laughs) (laughs) Throw out the rule book. Everything's gone pear-shaped. And so I figure we should just throw out the rule book with the commentary as well. Throw out the rule book, but bring in the rhyming dictionary. (laughs) Bring in the rhyming dictionary. So I'm going to uh, have a go at my own Mm. passage of commentary uh, using Cockney rhyming slang. And I want to do it to the the second goal that Isaac Rankin kicked that you talked about earlier, Nick, which was a sensation. Here is the original commentary, and then I'll take you to my version. High ball for King. Anderson ended up going for it against Jeddah. Now, King, can he release the handball? Playing on the call. Rankin's done it once. He couldn't get out the first time. Off the ground. Can you believe that? The best first two goals ever. High ball for King, but he's lowered his mince pies, and he hasn't got a Scooby-Doo where it is. Ball spills to Anderson. Back to his old China, Ben King. Jetta tries to give the ball the old Oliver twist but misses. Ball spills. Play on is the call. Here comes Rankin. He's somehow on his Pat Malone. His opponent's having a bit of a bow peep. He twists, he turns, he keeps his plates of meat, picks up the ball, has a butcher's at the goals, over near the Davy Crockett, dribbles it along the ground and straight through the hey diddle diddle. <laughs> Kate, Kate, that's almost as good as Russell Jackson's piece where he really did do an amazing analysis of the way that the game is being shown from a visual perspective. I felt that was an article that was very considered and thoughtful and had a lot of detail and I feel like you've really matched him there. (laughs) Well, don't you think the game would be I feel I feel like we are merely moments away (laughs) from that because, to be quite honest, I think sometimes Brian Taylor thinks someone's name is Oliver Twist. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've, call, I've heard him call Oliver Twist kicking a goal. Totally. If he if he heard that little passage of plates, oh, yeah, I remember him. He's been playing he'd well copy, this season. He'd copyright it and he'd trademark it and he'd be doing it every week, <laughs> rhyming slang well, with BT. Chad Wingard was playing in that Richmond-Sydney game, if you listen to the oh, commentators. I know. Crazy, right? Unbelievable. Ladies, at this point, I would usually say let's roll up our sleeves and melee. But, you know, we've been talking about some really heavy stuff lately and I just want to, I don't know, check in with people and have a nice chat and just make sure that everyone's okay. We did this post on socials during the week where we were asking people what's one good thing that they have been doing in lockdown that's made them feel good. And on Instagram, Ella Stevenson said coffee and FaceTime with her mum on the weekends. Our friends at the Humble Nook said watching docos with her kid. And Anna Kent said, no alarms. The kids have learnt to sleep in. Lucy, did you have some on Facebook? I did, and it just went off on Facebook. It was lovely to hear what everyone's doing. Sarah said she's gardening, planting things, caring for them, watching them grow slowly in winter, but helps to be hopeful for the spring. Other people have said a lot of nature themes. I think everyone's you know, really getting out into the garden to do some gardening or finding that a walk out in nature helps. 
We would love to check in with you going forward. If, if you would like to check in with us, if you would like a call, a Zoom call from a couple of members of the Outer Sanctum where we can sit and talk about life and footy and what's been making you feel good, you can register your interest on our socials. We'll put a post with this episode and you just let us know if you would be interested in getting a Zoom call and then we'll DM you and we'll set it up and we can give you a call and check in. But why don't we check in with some of the people that make up the outer. Do you want to do that? It's a great idea. I'm Sam Moston and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. I've been really interested in watching the teams in hubs and what they've been posting. I watched a six-minute tour of the hub that Geelong is in in Perth and I've got to be honest, I would have really struggled if I was at home with little kids watching that as a partner of a player and I was thinking about Marty Dangerfield because she's uh, the partner of Patrick Dangerfield and she's at home in their coastal town in Victoria where they live and she's been left behind with her two little kids and I was wondering how she was feeling about it and I thought, why don't we just give her a call? Hello. Hi, Marty. It's Emma and Kate from the Outer Sanctum. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Well, we're good. But we were just talking about hub life, and I was saying I'd seen a video of um of the Geelong team in their hub, and I was wondering how how you were going, how you're feeling being at home watching videos like that. Oh, you know what? I think I was prepared for them to have a good time. <laughs> Like there's so many of them that are so young and being in isolation and lockdown at home, I think had been really tough for them. I think they're actually just enjoying having people around and company and can't, I can't begrudge them for that. Marty, it's Kate, <laughs> it's Kate here. Tell us what's, what's COVID meant for you, you and your life? I stopped working pretty early in the piece. Um, so I'm an OT that works out in the community, in people's homes. So I just felt that I think particularly with when Pat went to Sydney for the first round against the Giants, I felt really uncomfortable just with that the, the position that that put me and my clients in. So I pulled back pretty early. But to be honest, we're so lucky down the surf coast. We've got a fair bit of space and fresh air and my kids are only one and three. So they have probably really enjoyed having us around as much as, you know, there's been really tough days. On the whole, we've we've come out pretty well from it. I think you deserve a medal. When I was at home with a one and three year old, I was pulling my hair out and that was not during COVID times. Yeah, yeah. You can look back on rose coloured glasses and I, you know, being outside of, we're not in Melbourne's lockdown area yet. So I guess I can look back and say, it's great to have the time together, but yeah, still trying to work from home with toddlers around. You're not super productive. (laughs) No, you get about a two minute window. to do anything. Yeah, yeah get was, that email done. <laughs> when, um, when the players went into hubs, there was an email that was sent out about ways to cope and best practice for moving forward and living in these times. One of the suggestions was that you only call your partner every two days, but you text them in between times. Is that mm. what you and Pat do? That's something that we have kind of always done. I guess we're very independent, but we're a very independent couple. I I guess we're probably an anomaly. I think a lot of other people really need that constant communication. So it wasn't actually anything particularly different for how we communicate in our relationship. Kids are kind of too young to understand the phone call. Like They see him on the FaceTime and then it, it lasts about 10 seconds. But I do think for a lot of other people... It was taken as a directive rather than advice. 
and like everyone has to manage their own relationships and so, because that's you know that's my biggest support person he's my number one and I'm sure that's the same for a lot of partners and families around you know around the country within the AFL so as soon as you take that person out I it's it's hard to tell people how to manage that relationship I, I don't know that it was the information was presented in a very good way <laughs> it, could have been, it could have been delivered better I think, yeah. But I, I guess I'm probably coming from a very positive place that we don't need a lot from Pat. <laughs> Marty, talking about uh-huh. um, being positive and managing and coping, can you tell mm-hmm. us what, what's one good thing that you've been doing in lockdown that's made you feel better? To be honest, there's, there's probably three things that I try and do every day. And if I don't, it's a, it's a really hard day to get through. The first one is getting dressed in the morning, <laughs> you know, like before lunchtime. Um, whether, we're, whether we're going out or not, it's just one thing that we've then achieved for the day. And some, honestly, sometimes getting the kids and myself out of pyjamas has, has really felt like a battle because, you know, days you can just think, well, what is even the point? So that's definitely one that sets off my day on the right foot. <laughs> and then trying to get some exercise in, sort of vitamin D if we can get out even just on the back deck. Or, you know, I know a lot of people in Melbourne don't necessarily have the space that we do down here so sitting in a bay window getting yeah just getting some sunshine but the last one we've been doing a lot of is actually um mindfulness and meditation whilst in lockdown yeah so i'm I'm definitely not a baker so i haven't been on the banana bread bandwagon (laughs) Uh, she's really skyrocketed in popularity but uh no that's that one's a no from me or sourdough no No. (laughs) we've not sourdoughed either but exercise and getting dressed are very good tips maddie thank you so much for sharing your experience with us on the outer sanctum and we just wish you and the kids all the very best it seems like patrick's gone to perth and now the world's changing every couple of minutes now so we don't know necessarily when the end date is right yeah well i don't think we can plan for anything so yeah as you said it's changing and it's changing fast but it's changing for everyone i think being kind to people around you and and not assuming what they're going through is the same as what you're going through because everyone's managing so differently and every day is different. I think I speak quite positively now because I'm having a really great day, but it's not, (laughs) you know, it's not always like this. I I got dressed, you know, I am dressed. (laughs) I promise (laughs) I've got pants on. (laughs) Well, we're so pleased that you've made time to speak to us with your pants on and and we appreciate your time, whether you're having an up day or a down day. The Outer Sanctum's here for you uh, 24-7, Marty. Thanks, guys. I love listening thanks for having me oh my gosh it's such a challenge isn't it for all of those families and I think you know the fact that Marty alludes to the the fact that it's so different for everybody and they're all in such different circumstances I don't know whether you saw on Melbourne Football Club socials last night they had a little interview with Jack Viney and his partner Charlotte and their new baby Miller I think Miller's only about nine days old and they came into the hub when she was only about nine days old so they're basically there with a new born and made me think of just the contrast. Do you remember a number of years ago when Sam Mitchell was playing and he had twins that were born when he was a player and he talked about how he used to go and sleep in a hotel room Mm. before a game to get some sleep. Without them. (laughs) Without them. (laughs) That's how much the world's changed. You know someone else I was thinking of is Chelsea Roffey because the umpires have gone into um, hubs as well and I was like, I wonder if the goal umpires stay in one place and the fieldies stay mm-hmm. somewhere else. Or, But Chelsea just got married. So she's had to up and leave her partner unless he's gone with her, which I don't know that he has. But should we check in with Chelsea and see yes. how she's going? Yes, let's. Hello. Chelsea, it's the Outer Sanctum. Oh, hi, everybody. <laughs> Hello. How are you, Chelsea? Are you, whereabouts are you? 
Well, I am. I've got to downplay this a little bit because I am looking out across a sunlit balcony <laughs> of level 19 of the Royal Pines Resort. But I, as I say, will downplay because I am in quarantine on the Gold Coast um, in the in the hub set up there. So. After this week, I think we'll be right. We no longer refer to as Dirty Vicks, which will be great. (laughs) Have you been getting a bit of a hard time because you're Victorian? Oh, I look a little bit. We we say, we refer to ourselves as Dirty Vicks in jest, of course, but it's impossible to know what people are really saying out there. We just get a sense that, yeah, we're not exactly um, welcome until we're, we're proven to be clean. Are you and all the umpires in one hotel? Not all of the umpires, because, of course, there were some umpires who were sent up in the initial group, and I'm just trying to think how long they've actually been up here, but we're separate from them because they uh, initially came up to do games up here and didn't need to be in a quarantine facility as we came up as well. So I've got to be honest, I actually don't know where they are at the moment because they have sort of moved around a little bit. But the umpires in this sort of secondary part that sort of happened uh, with the quarantine, um, we've all been sort of put in the same facility. We've got some families here as well as as individual umpires. So um, quite a few of us have sort of put our hand up to be part of the hub arrangement for the well, the next month or so, basically. Chelsea, it's Kate here. I actually really want to ask you about that process of putting your hand up. How was it that you were invited, asked to go into quarantine? How did that process work? I guess it was essentially a, an expression of interest um, in terms of, you know, the AFL obviously working fairly closely with our umpires association and, and just putting out an expression of interest to people who would, I suppose, firstly be in a position to, to be able to um, volunteer to, to get out of Victoria and, and relocate for a, a period of time. And then there were some sort of discussions around what the practical side of that would be. Because, of course, you know, some people have taken leave from work, for example. Um, others are able to to work remotely while they're up here. Yeah, I guess there are sort of others who, as a result of COVID, it may have been stood down from work and, and had a bit more flexibility. So essentially it was, you know, people who were able to be involved in that process and willing to have the discussion were then approached around the practical side. And it's fair to say there was no pressure of sorts. Um, there's certainly a, a high level of understanding around people's limitations and it, it's essentially been those who are willing and able to play their role and um, keep the game going in, in that It's Lucy here, Chelsea. I'm just wondering, you've had a very different experience to a lot of people in terms of you've had a lockdown here and then in Melbourne and now you're in quarantine. What's one thing, one good thing that you've found that's kind of helped make your day better? a nice question because I, I sort of feel like in the beginning when, you know, we were in that initial phase of, oh, coronavirus and everyone was having to, you know, show caution and um, even with myself, you know, a lot of work that I had sort of dried up and I was stood down from a role and I sort of thought, oh, this is, you know, it's almost panic's not the right word, but it was sort of like, oh, how am I going to sort of put things in place to, to manage? And then I went through a bit of a phase where I thought, you know what, a lot of people are in the same boat and I'm I'm really embracing this time affluence <laughs> um, in, in, in one sense and the ability to reflect a little bit on, on life in general. And um, I think probably for a lot of people, you know, if JobKeeper kicked in, for example, um, it sort of takes away that initial concern. Um, but now that this is extended a little bit, it's sort of, for me, it's it tends to come in waves where I sort of think, oh, 
God, I can't wait to just get out and, you know, live normal life again and for things to re- resume as they were. And then you sort of go back into, well, there's, you know, a little bit of choice around that. We've just got to accept what we can't change. So I guess to answer your question, um, I'm trying to bring a bit more structure into my days, I think, um, with regard to how can I use my time effectively. Um, some of it is, you know, working when I can and, and some of it is just trying to go, okay, well, maybe I can do some do some yoga today or <laughs> try to get out to the perimeter. And, and go for a walk and, and take in some nature. And I don't know if that all sounds really cheesy, but that's sort of been my mentality. And it seems to come in waves where I just go, this is frustrating. And, you know, I just want things to go back to normal. But then, you know, the other side kicks in where you sort of, I guess, have a bit of gratitude around things could always be worse. And you just, we've, I think we've all just got to get through this time and, and try to chill out a little bit. <laughs> Chelsea, was your new husband able to go with you or is he still in Victoria? Well, that was an option and we talked about it. So he is in Victoria at the moment. So our first year of marriage, we're not at a year yet, but um, it's been interesting. We've been living out of each other's pockets in a one-bedroom apartment. Actually, we get along great, which is, I think, a really good sign. <laughs> what um, a great result. <laughs> but he did have a chance to, to come and join me in the hub. Uh, it would have involved um, some testing and quarantine, obviously, for him as well. And it just, from a work perspective, it, it just wasn't sort of the ideal sort of setup for him with his work. But I said, oh, that's fine. You can, when I'm out of quarantine, why don't you come up then? Because, uh, you know, he's from Queensland originally, so... So that was all a, a nice plan and then obviously the lockdown kicked in in Victoria and, you know, now we're, we're separated. So we just have to check in on FaceTime every now and then. <laughs> well, Chelsea, thank you for sharing your story with us. We're thinking of you and we're so pleased to hear your voice. Know that you always have a bunch of friends here at the Outer Sanctum and you can lean on us anytime. Oh, it's lovely to chat. And look, I am thinking of you down there. Um, I know it must be pretty difficult sort of being in that that lockdown scenario. But um, yeah, look, thinking of you as well. And it's really nice to have a chat and have that social contact. Yeah. We'll wave at the TV when we see you umpiring this weekend. (laughs) Sounds wonderful. (laughs) Take care, Chelsea. You too. Bye. I love checking in on these friends of ours. You know, over the weekend, also the VFL was called off. That's it. It's definitely not going ahead. The VFLW that weird round robin hybrid thing they were going to do, that's still potentially going to go ahead. And it made me think of VFLW players and whether they still train or mm-hmm. what they're doing with their time. So should we check in with Meg Hutchins? Hello. Hello, Meg Hutchins, Premiership player for the Hawthorne VFLW team. <laughs> it's the Outer Sanctum. Hi, how are we? Well, we're good. We were just ringing to see how you are. How are you going? Oh, I'm not too bad, thank you, for ISO 2.0. <laughs> yeah, so ISO 2.0, are you still training? What do you do with yourself? Are you just sitting on the couch eating Tim Tams? <laughs> I wish if I did that, I, I would turn into the amazing blimp. No, I just sort of just enjoy being outdoors when I can. Obviously, the weather is a bit colder and whatever, but being the big, tough footballer I am, which I'm not, you know, get out in the weather and go for a run, but training's probably not as structured now. Um, obviously because our season's sort of been canned and cancelled, but still enjoy getting out there and just going for a jog and being able to, which is nice. So in terms of that, like your roles are in recruitment. How's that playing out and, and how are you managing all of that? As is a lot of people within the footy industry, I've been stood down from my role. So I, I guess probably a lot of my work was done early on in the piece, sort of looking at the NAB programs and being around that. Um, yeah, with, with all football sort of 
put on hold, there's no real football to go and watch now. So I'm probably doing a little bit more professional development for, for myself. So doing a little bit of work with coding and getting an idea about how to actually put together games from an analysis point of view. So that's been interesting. Um, but from an actual talent ID point of view, there's I can't really go and ID any talent because nothing's been played. Will you watch it online? Can you watch um, Interstate Footy online? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can watch Interstate Footy online. So that's certainly the next next part in the whole process. But, uh, I mean, we'd love to know if we're going to get an AFLW licence so you can actually start building profiles on particular players and, and start sort of profiling what you want to build in regards to a list. So certainly the opportunity to, to watch online games, which would be the, ne- the next point that I'd be doing. Meg, this is a really sensitive question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But with the VFLW not going ahead and with where you're at with your career, does this change things for you looking into the future of your playing days? Are you saying I'm old, Emma? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just asking no. how you're going. <laughs> no, it's fine. Look, it's um, it's a bit of a tricky one, to be honest. Um, I mean, I was pretty adamant um, in regards to you know, what I was going to be doing with life after football, that this was going to be my last year of playing. Obviously, a, a large spanner in the works in regards to the smallest organism around being a virus has, um, ha- has thrown that into a little bit of disarray. So, look, I, I haven't really made my decision, but, you know, it's, you know, when you're my age, I think once you stop playing, whether or not it's forced or unforced, it becomes quite difficult to start again. It's hard to tell. I mean, I haven't quite made my decision just yet and I'll probably have to have a few more conversations. But yeah, it's been a difficult time to sort of work through where I'm at with regards to my football. But I'm I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm still involved, you know, from a professional point of view at a a wonderful club that's supporting me. So um, watch this space, I guess. Meg, it's Kate here. It goes without saying we'd love to see you play another season, but if you don't, you winning the Premiership a couple of years ago was a was a highlight for all of us and, and for you too, I know. Um, talking about highlights and positive things, is there one thing, something you're doing in lockdown that's keeping your spirits up? And if so, do you want to share it with us? Yeah, absolutely. Look, there's, there's been a number of things I've been doing. Um, I guess I'm pretty, feel very lucky to have a, a really, like a, a great home and, you know, a wonderful wife to spend time with. But I feel very lucky I've got two very energetic dogs um, <laughs> that I get to exercise all the time. Um, so COVID-19 has been the best thing ever to happen to dogs because they've got their own... <laughs> Been their owners home all the time, but yeah, just more the the, the little things. You know, I've built a little bit of a, a small veggie garden and spent a bit of time outside doing a little bit of work around the house. So trying to get my the handy side of me um, built up. But yeah, more so just enjoying the outside and enjoying the sort of small little things has been has been nice. We uh, we invested in a, a a Nintendo, so <laughs> so, <laughs> great. so I've you know I've gone back to my childhood really and playing Super Mario Kart. Oh. So that's been great. Oh, that's um, the best game of all time. Yeah, the, the battle the battle one's even better when you can go and hunt down people. And uh, you're so competitive, Meg Hutchins, <laughs> and tackle them. Who's your go-to character then? Oh, yeah. Uh, look, Yoshi's I pretty cool. It. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she's not a princess or a toad. She's oh, a Yoshi. Oh, no. No, Peach, is, Peach doesn't suit me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely Yoshi. Are you keeping in contact with the other girls from the team? Do you, do, do you play against each other or what happens with the team? 
Yeah, we, we've been doing um, regular Zooms, uh, regular Zoom catch-ups, which has been really, really great. But, yeah, we, we had uh, small little groups. We got put together by, by our wonderful coach, Beck Goddard. And uh, they were named after, you know, pioneers of the game in regards to, you know, Debbie Lee and, and Jan Cooper and um, wonderful women like that. And, and we all did research on those particular people and presented to the group. So that was really, really wonderful. Um, Which group were that. you in? Were you in the Shiloh Curtis group? No, I wasn't in the Shiloh Curtis group. I was the um, I was a Jan Cooper. So that was awesome. We actually teed up a a Zoom call with Jan, and and it was really nice to actually see. So a lot of the girls in my little group were quite relatively new to the game, uh, relatively new to you know women's football and the and the the wonderful history of it. So it was really nice to actually watch them, obviously by video, but watch them interact with Jan, and that was great. Um, Can I ask <laughs> one final question? Clarko often gets out the guitar. We know that Beck is not <laughs> shy with the guitar. Has she serenaded you with the guitar yet? Well, she hasn't, but Sarah Perkins has, oh. actually. I'm sorry, Perk, I can't remember what she actually sang, but it was I was very, very impressed. So more of that, please, Sarah Perkins, if you're listening. But no, Beck, Beck hasn't had the guitar out for us, but she has been doing some very funny stories, how she's um, made her own sort of beauty salon in regards to doing her nails at home with a head torch. So <laughs> That's been great to hear. Those that know Beck understand she's a fabulous storyteller. So just to hear stories of, of women's football of the past and her experiences have been been really, really great and, and very, very funny as well. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Meg. And as you always know, the Outer Sanctum's here for you if you need us um, to check in at any time. And um, thank you so much for sharing what's been making you feel good in lockdown with us today. Thank you very much, ladies. Take care of yourselves and everyone else out there. Hello. Hi, Carol. It's the Outer Sanctum. Hello, girls. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's Emma here. Are you all right? Are you good? I'm, is this a COVID welfare check, is it? <laughs> it is. We like to check on our friends and family and see how they're all doing. We've been wondering, we were just pontificating about how you find your footy stories when you can't be anywhere near the football. The same way I always did, Emma, over the telephone. Not so many face-to-face coffees anymore, but I always used to say I was at a distinct disadvantage to people like Mike Sheehan and Jake and Mark Robinson, etc., because they all play golf. You know, they play golf with people, and I can't tell you how many footy stories break over a game of golf. But um, my thing was always um, having cups of coffee. And the good thing about now is that a lot of people are in hubs and are pathetically grateful for any phone call (laughs) (laughs) and therefore very happy to have a chat. Hey, Cara, it's Nick here. So this is something you're going to keep going forward, like post-COVID, this might might carry over? Look, I hope not. I, I know people keep saying, oh, it's amazing, you know, all these wasted flights to Sydney for meetings and all these wasted board meetings when you can do it on Zoom and I'm going to work from home. I don't think it's good for any office culture to have everybody isolated and apart. Some of the best times I've ever had in my life, let alone in work, you know, have come about through office camaraderie. And that can only happen with person-to-person contact. I do think, you know, for the environment, I think there will be less travel. I've Look, I have always done a lot of work over the phone. I'm finding people are more expansive and helpful now over the phone. But Nick, I think that um, it's always better. In fact, I know a lot of my contacts have often said to me, um, no, we're not going to have lunch. We'll just um, 
have a coffee or a phone call because I always tell you far too much when we have lunch. (laughs) I speak from absolute experience on that. I always tell, I open my trap so much more when we're sitting across from each other, Caro. That's right, Emma. (laughs) Caro, it's Lucy here. I'm just, I'm thinking about how as a journalist it must be, is there a tiny part of you that's a little bit thrilled to be covering something that is so historic and unprecedented? I'm also wondering if you've looked up some synonyms for unprecedented in your online dictionary. Yeah, there has been a lot of unprecedented, hasn't there? <laughs> it sounds bad to say you wouldn't. I mean, not, people said to me, I remember after the Essendon drug scandal, I said in one speech, I wish it had never happened because the bloodshed was so extreme. And another a rival journalist said to me, oh, that's not true. You must have loved it. It was so good for your career. But I would rather it wasn't happening, obviously. But because it is... I have found it, I feel so fortunate to be able to feel useful in that I'm actually covering something that is so interesting and so fascinating in the way, you know, the sport I love is responding to it and all the different reactions and all the different, you know, levels of emotion. You know, no, look, it's been um, it's been an unbelievable story to cover and, it, you know, it's a bit gloomy as we stand here and talk today. I mean, you know, we're facing the fact of no more footy in Victoria for the rest of the year. And that is just, it's unthinkable, but it's also extraordinary because off-field has sort of always been my, I mean, I love going to the footy and I really miss that. It just isn't the same on TV, but in terms of, you know, what I write about, it's largely off-field or related to off-field anyway. So I feel as though it's making me feel useful. And I think I know a lot of people who don't feel useful and that would be the worst thing in a time like this. Caro, we can check in with you on Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast that you do with Corey Perkin and see how you're going and what you're doing because you often give us lots of tips to your life and things that you're trying to achieve but what's one thing that does make you feel better that you have been doing since you've been in lockdown oh that's 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 a really really good question and I have to say walking has been my saviour if you couldn't go out and have a walk and you know praise to the Lord that you know we don't get um, told we can only walk at certain times a day but it's the way I catch up one-on-one with various girlfriends because you know you can walk at a specified distance apart and have a proper catch-up. I'm obsessively looking at my step count every day and if I don't reach 10 or 12,000 I'm really disappointed and so I think walking has kept me sane and the other thing on a more sort of um, on a deeper level don't even try to think about what's happening too much in the world because you'll just despair. And um, I talked about to Corrie about this this morning on our podcast. There's a great novel by Ian McEwan, Saturday. It's one of my favourite ones of his. And he talks about the fact that it's so much easier to, to sort of cope with life if you just try and keep things in a small circle. So worry about those theories to you. Worry about the things that you can control, even if one day it's, you know, cleaning out a linen cupboard. Because honestly... I think we'd all go insane if we started thinking about, you know, what could re- what this could really lead to. That might sound a bit shallow, but that is my way of dealing with it. You're in our small circle and we're pleased <laughs> that we're in your small circle. So we will keep checking in with you and thank you for letting us know what's making, what's one good thing and thanks for letting us know how you're getting those stories and just oh. keep in touch if you need us. We're right here. Keep doing the brilliant work, girls. It's lovely to hear from you. Good luck at the supermarket. Are you, you going to mask up? <laughs> Let, yep. Yes, um, I am. Well, I'm not now, but I will be in a moment when mm. I say goodbye. Lamb shank soup tonight with lots of barley and <sighs> oh, lentils. Yum.
Yum. How long will you cook that for, Caro? Two to three hours. It's a really good recipe. It was actually on the podcast about Don't Shoot about a month ago, but it's a really good recipe. Lots of saffron and yummy things like that. Our grandma Lillian Race used to make it and it was just perfection. You've got to put carrots in there. Hey, Emma, could I, before you go, sorry, Emma and Lucy, but how are you dealing with some Hawthorne situation at the moment? There's no situation. It's not a situation. What are you talking about, Carol? That's one of the outer circle things. (laughs) So funny. Stop poking the bear. Take care. Okay, lots of love. See ya. Bye. Bye. It's time for everyone's favourite segment. <laughs> Are you ready for the fifth quarter, ladies? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scrolling through my socials and it's all COVID, yay, and Trumpers. But I want to make it feel like I'm surrounded by blue jumpers. Good books are all around, but if I want suggestions with finesse, I want my pods and I want my songs endorsed by TOS. The lockdown got you looking for fun after the siren. We'll bring you Gladwell and Chappelle and neighbours we're admiring. Some folk like their footy podcasts, all sports with real reporters. Why limit your range? Footy and art ain't strange. It's time for the fifth quarter. (laughs) Join in. It's time for the fifth quarter. Tone like, well oh my goodness me! <laughs> Who knew I had such skills? I'm just saying. Okay, let's pump out this fifth quarter. People love it, but people want it to be quick. <laughs> what you got, Katie? Well, so you mentioned earlier, Em, that uh, you had seen Isaac Rankin and some songs that were released of his during the week, and in one of those, he is sitting between two ferns and being interviewed by Took Miller, and it reminded me of the show Between Two. Ferns, which I find <laughs> totally joyous and stupid and fun. And so I wanted to recommend that. It's a few years old now, but it's easy to find. You can get it on YouTube. And essentially what it is, is Zach Galifianakis, who many people will know from The Hangover, uh, among other things, he interviews a series of famous people. It's And the interviews are in this really basic <laughs> set <laughs> that's like something out of like a public TV or community TV, that kind of scenario. There's just two ferns. It looks really cheap. And the interviews are really awkward and cringe worthy and uncomfortable and and really, really funny. He's interviewed Brad Pitt and Hillary Clinton, Ben Stiller, Steve Carell, and probably my favourite is when he interviews Barack Obama. Here's a short (laughs) clip of that exchange. I have to know, what is it like to be the last black president? Seriously? (laughs) What's it like for this to be the last time you ever talk to a president? It must kind of stink, though, that you can't run, you know, three times. No, actually, I think it's a good idea. You know, if I ran a third time, it'd be sort of like doing a third hangover movie. Didn't really work out very well, did it? So look, it's great. And they're all really short and easy to watch and and good fun. There's also a film which is extremely stupid, but I found really entertaining. So I highly recommend that. It does not surprise me at all. Lucy? I might just follow up on your theme of stupid fun and mention a podcast I've been listening to. In fact, I listened to the whole thing on the weekend. It is an ABC comedy podcast called Crossbred. I'm just going to play you a little clip. A brother and a sister are playing in a band together called Crossbred. We say cross, you say bread. My name is Ken Lin. This is my six-part podcast about the Christian hip-hop band that changed my life. This is a nightmare. Imagine how Spud God would be. He'd just be sitting up there in heaven and he'd be, 
He'd just be mounted. He'd be pinging on the Holy Spirit. They shone brighter than the Star of David, but were destroyed faster than Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's when I began to drink the sacramental wine. Okay, I'm, I'm pulling over. Does anyone else need to vomit? What the hell is going on? And why am I making this podcast? Because crossbred were really cool. <laughs> if that doesn't get you interested, it is written by Declan Fay and it features some serious star power, including Chris Ryan, Megan Washington, John Waters, Kate McLennan and Sammy Shah. It's got so many highlights. For me, the main ones are the original music, which is so funny. And some of the rhymes are so rude and funny. I laughed out loud many times. The other thing is it's got some lovely familiar places like the food court at Forest Hill Chase. <laughs> Which doesn't get enough cinematic coverage. No, so you can find that where you find all good podcasts. Fantastic. And Nicole Hayes, what have you got for the fifth quarter? Every time I feel a little flat, I have a go-to. It's Dairy Girls. It is just... Such a joyful celebration of teenagerhood. For, for the, the basics are set in Derry in Northern Ireland uh, amongst the Troubles, the Irish Republican Troubles, the war that was continuing throughout the 90s. It manages to be both poignant and hilarious. The teenagers, there's four girls and a boy who just, the boy is part of this girl's school for no apparent reason, <laughs> except that they're afraid that if he goes to the boys' school, he gets beaten up because he's English um, and they mock his accent all of the time. I have to say I'll have to watch it with subtitles if I don't want to miss anything. I mean, it's all the mocking and funny things about teenage girls. It's really done over the top, but it still manages to really honour them and incredibly handles the, the issue of war really in very thoughtful ways. And so I find myself crying, laughing one minute and crying the next. The favourite character, though, by a mile is Sister Michael. The most irreverent, cynical nun who ever walked the earth. So please, everyone, get into it, but just be prepared to turn on the subtitles. Oh, good evening, sister. We just popped round because we had a few questions about the British Empire, which the boys have cleared up first now, so... They weren't talking about the British Empire, sister. They were having a party. You will go far in life, Jenny. But you will not be well liked. To be sure, thank you. <laughs> We've, uh, mine's on Netflix as well. And if you like stupid stuff, which is our theme today, <laughs> I watched the Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga, <laughs> this week, <laughs> which is Will Ferrell's latest offering. If you love stupid stuff, you will like this. It's quite possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. It is. This is how I see it. It's the seafood extender of cinema. (laughs) Traditionally I am not a Eurovisionist. I have a deep loathing of ABBA and I don't watch the Eurovision Song Contest and I know I'm Euro-trashing the film. But it made me laugh and it made me smile and I gave it two stars. One for Rachel McAdams and one for Dan Stevens who you might know from Downtown Abbey. (laughs) Downtown Abbey. But I also give it one heart because it does have a great big beating heart at the middle of it and it made me feel good and I laughed out loud and it was stupid as and some people will hate it but goodness me it was like an hour and a half of just escapism and ridiculous you know if you'd like if you like titles such as blades of glory (laughs) or ron burgundy you're probably going to like this so this week's episode has been brought to you by a big smile because we've been trying to lighten our mood and lighten all of your moods we would love you to get in contact with us make sure you keep talking to us during this moment in time we're all feeling the weight of it and doing we're all going through our own struggles as well so we feel you we see you we know that the footy will be back and in fact coming up we're going to have a Monday night game which is going to be exciting for you Lucy what's that called I'm calling it gym night gym night there you go (laughs)
Mine's you go to the gym on Monday and you don't go any other night of the week. I know a number of them rhyme now because you've got bin night on Thursday night. I think Friday night's gin night, gym night on Monday oh, night. Nice. And Love leftovers. <laughs> Maybe you can work that into your commentary next week, Kate. I will. Before we get out of here, we just want to recognise the passing of someone who is kind of significant to a lot of people who listen to this podcast. I'm going to leave it to you, Lucy. Yeah, it was really sad news this week to hear that Naya Rivera who had passed away. You may know her as Santana Lopez from Glee. She's someone who meant a lot to a lot of people. Santana was a character that came into Glee as a bit of a stereotype. She was kind of the ferocious cheerleader and she really developed into such a well-rounded character. The thing that was lovely about her was her groundbreaking love affair with Brittany and she meant a lot to many people. In the words of my son, she raised us. So I'd like to go out with one of her hits, which is Valerie. Go Go footy! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.